Welcome back to Mortuary Mayhem, a podcast by funeral service professionals for funeral service professionals, where any day above ground is a good one. Joining us on our show today is Bruce Likely, president and co-founder of TributeCast. Bruce, it is an absolute honor to have you on our show today. Before we get started, who is Bruce Likely and what attracted you to running our industry's premier remote attendance program. Hey, Dan, thanks very much. I appreciate it. Uh, who is Bruce Likely? You know, it's, I, I've, uh, I've been at this game with TributeCast now for about seven years. Um, my background is IBM and Sun Microsystems. Um, so I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at and working with industries and helping them uh, improve their efficiency and effectiveness. And about seven years ago, um, I was approached by my business partner, Brian Linares, who said, look, I think, uh, I think this live streaming over the internet thing is, is going to uh, start to take off. And at the time I was helping my wife with her healthcare public relations firm. And he was thinking of it in terms of press releases. And we sat down and looked at the technology and started to think more along the lines of life events and helping uh, those people we affectionately think of in the sandwich generation, you know, those who are caring for young children and also older adults, get to life events that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get to. You know, baseball games, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, uh, weddings, christenings, you name it. And then we stack ranked those and said, okay, which are the ones that are most important to get to? Uh, which ones uh, are going to have the biggest impact on you if you can't be there? and funerals came right to the top. Um, so we started to build TributeCast, as I said, about seven years ago. And, um, you know, that kind of gives you an insight as to, as to who I am. Um, we take a very methodical approach to the things that we do. And uh, even before we started to build TributeCast, we sat down and, and had roundtables with clergy, uh, grief counselors, and funeral directors and said, you know, okay, if we're gonna, if we're gonna do this, um, what makes a funeral effective? What makes it transformational? Uh, and then, you know, as part of my inquisitive nature, you know, we were also looking at the fact that uh, we've got baby boomers who are, you know, starting to age out, yet the number of funerals are on the decline and attendance at funerals are on the decline. So there was a, there was a complete disconnect. Um, so we realized that uh, if we went into this uh, market space of bereavement, bereavement and what we think of as uh, grief management, that uh, we could probably create a, effectively a field of dreams where, uh, you know, if we build it and build it effectively, people will come. So that's who I am. I'm also a, uh, a licensed multi-engine private instrument pilot. Um, love downhill skiing. Uh, I love distance bike riding this past weekend. I just uh, finished the Pan Mass Challenge in Massachusetts, which is a 200-mile bike ride to raise funds for Dana-Farber. Um, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Looking forward to hitting the slopes myself this winter. How was the bike ride? It seems like you had some good weather this past weekend. <laughs> it was it was hot. Um, yeah, I, I've, done it, I've done it for nine years. I have a, uh, I have a member on our team who's an emergency room doctor. And uh, I asked him at one point if it's, physically possible for the fluid between your skull and your brain to boil 
And he said, on a day like today, I think the answer is yes. Um, and I'm chuckling a little bit because uh, I know that uh, you and I are recording this now here at the you know, uh, midpoint of August, and, and I think I'm going to be your, your, your second guest in October. So people are going to be thinking, wow, that must have been a long time ago. But uh, <laughs> it, you know, we're going to be we're going to be facing snow here in the Northeast uh, soon enough. So I'm going to be gladly welcoming that snow. Between my lack of affection for the heat and the drought that's pretty much wiped out my yard. I know. So I'm, I'm talking to you actually from from Cape Cod, and we're uh, we're wrestling with sharks. Lots of lots of sharks. So. Uh, Hopefully, by the time this podcast happens, they will have uh, they will moved offshore. We can only hope. I know the sharks haven't fared very well in these last few winters. So that all of our listeners are aware, what is remote funeral attendance? Sure. So when we think of a funeral, uh, we think of it as a vehicle for people to say goodbye to... Um, kind of work through their emotions. And we think of a funeral in, in terms of three pillars and in, in what makes a funeral effective or transformational. The first one is congregation, giving people um, a safe haven and an opportunity to come together. Um, that second pillar is making sure that that, uh, that safe haven of, of people is uh, a non-judgmental environment. It's why we hold funerals in places of quiet contemplation and not normally in widely public, public environments. And uh, we also give them the tools and the resources to not only remember the good times, but also permission to walk away from those good times, happier having had them than sad having lost them. Now, one of the things that we found out in our research uh, before we built TributeCast is that uh, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, people are moving more than 11 times in their lives now. And according, according to the Bureau of, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, they're also changing jobs just as many times. Uh, we know that older people are retiring and moving to southern climates. And then another interesting statistic that people may not be aware of is the average tenure of a uh, clergy member or celebrant at a specific church now is between six and seven years. So you're seeing a, uh, a rotation of staff in those locations. Uh, so when we think of remote attendance, we think of all the people that would normally be at the service now need to have a way to feel as though they're connected with and attending that service from wherever they happen to be. And, you know, it's, it's, it's no more that, that, that the nuclear family is within, you know, five or 10 miles of each other. It's, it's more likely that that nuclear family is spread all over the country, if not all over the world. And we need a way to come together when somebody passes to uh, not only share the burden of that grief with each other, lean on each other's shoulders uh, physically, but now also virtually, and remember those good times uh, virtually as well. So remote attendance is the ability to be able to experience all of the aspects of an effective funeral, regardless of where you happen to be when a loved one passes. Well, that's an incredible benefit. It's everything we strive for as funeral directors. I know we're just emerging from the COVID pandemic and 
about a year ago, we were just emerging from quarantine. What benefits does TributeCast bring to the table during these times? I know, I'm sure you brought a lot of families together that would have otherwise not been able to take part. Um, are you speaking in terms of COVID or uh, pre and post COVID? All three. I'm sure there's a vast difference between the use of your services pre-COVID. Uh, I'm sure that you brought a lot of value during COVID uh, when we were in quarantine, and I know you continue to have plenty of value post-COVID. Okay, so pre and post-COVID, um, we knew about the, the shifting demographics and, and, and knew based on our research that attendance at services and even the holding of services was on, on the decline because people were becoming so dispersed and family elders and clergy who would be the ones that would influence that service happening uh, had become dispersed. Uh, by giving them the tool and resource of TributeCast as a remote attendance system, we give them the ability to actually hold that service sooner when it can have the biggest impact as opposed to what we've seen uh, over the course of the last half a generation of people saying, look, I can't handle it. I need to uh, kick the can down the road until I can get everybody together. And, you know, that's, you know, as I said, it was true before COVID and it's true after COVID. You know, another statistic <clears throat> or data point, I should say, that, uh, that we've seen that really supports this is the notion that um, women are the healthcare gatekeepers for families. Now, I saw it in our healthcare, my wife's healthcare public relations business for sure, uh, but we see it in the death care industry as well. Uh, you know, if, if there are two people in an arrangement conference and one of them is a woman, that individual is more than likely going to become the decision maker for uh, everything that's happening relative to that service. Now, we also know that women are entering the workforce at rates uh, not seen uh, in any previous generation and people are living longer. So these decision makers are being, uh, they're carrying a very heavy burden and a very heavy workload with caring for uh, young children, caring for older adults and managing their own careers so that when a death does happen, which sadly is never convenient, uh, it's very easy for that decision maker to look for any way to reduce their burden. And oftentimes it's to push the service down the road. Now, uh, one of the things that, that we're seeing and communicating with uh, these decision makers now is they know the importance of holding a su service sooner than later. It helps with immediate grief management and it helps staving off um, unresolved grief. So you can, as a funeral director, you can sit down with this decision maker in that very first arrangement conference and say, look, we want to help you uh, work through the healing process and closure as quickly as possible. The best way to do that is to hold a service within the next week to 10 days. And let's pick a date that works best for you personally. Don't worry about those who can't be here in person because we have a way for them to attend. Uh, even remotely, if need be, and if they can't attend the service live, there will be a recording of it so that they can uh, revisit that service uh, when it's when it's convenient for them. And 
you know, we've seen time and time again where that decision maker's shoulders, you can you physically see them drop and you can see this person relax in front of you and and move on to the to the task at hand, which is uh, saying an appropriate goodbye to a loved one and kind of map out the map out the future for for life without them being there every day. In the day and age that we're living in, having such a technological focus, very innovative and technological focus, I can see something like this being a standard service that we're going to find on every GPL and that every family comes to expect when they come in the same way they expect to have a gentleman or lady uh, parking their car outside and to have someone hold a door for them. It's just a standard service that your service becomes live streamed and that the whole family can join in when they couldn't before. Um, again, when this is being uh, heard, it's going to be in October. Uh, NFDA just put out an announcement um, here at the end of the summer about how uh, the ability to live stream a service or attend a service remotely uh, is expected by almost 50% of those that are uh, holding or attending services today. But the thing that it really is. The thing that amazes me, though, is that, you know, funeral directors are some of the most amazing people in the world. Their, their knowledge and experience with helping people navigate uh, the death process and the grieving process and the healing process, uh, they sometimes don't understand at least from what from my vantage point, they, they don't understand the knowledge that they have and how valuable that knowledge is to loved ones. And I, I can't tell you how many times I'll see a funeral director uh, sit with a family and say, so tell me what you want. Tell me what your wishes are. And, you know, most people will not sit in front of a funeral director more than a couple of times in their lives. They don't necessarily know what they want. They don't know what their wishes are and they don't know you know, what emotions they and their loved ones are going to go through in the coming weeks and months. Funeral director does. They've, uh, they've watched it, you know, hundreds of times a year and, you know, thousands of times across a, across a, a successful career. And what we're encouraging them to do is, is use that knowledge and sit down with the family from a slightly different perspective, a more value-added perspective, and say, look, we know how difficult this is for you. We know what you're going to go. Th we know what you're going to go through over the coming weeks and months, and these are the things that we're recommending that you do in order to help you navigate that. Not only you, but also, you know, your nieces and nephews and your your children and your grandchildren. Uh, and if you do it the way we're recommending, it's it's going to go as smoothly as it as it possibly can. That's incredible. Is there any group that you've noticed tends to gravitate towards remote attendance more than others? Um, you know, I, I think there are, are some uh, sections of society that, that grav gravitate towards it uh, more readily than others. Uh, Homegoing services for, for certain. Uh, and, you know, I have to say so those are some of the most fun services you'll ever see. Uh, they, uh, some of them, you know, resemble rock concerts. They are just so uplifting and, uh, exciting and energetic. 
uh, I know that uh, Hindu services that uh, are, are also the, the the Hindu community, uh, Buddhist community also uh, gravitate to it as well. And you know, it's it's interesting that we, you know, as I bring that up, I think about something. You know, as as people funeral directors choose which platform to use to do their live streaming, one of the things they need to think about are their remote attendees and that remote attendance experience. You know, we talked about the touch points that uh, make a service uh, effective and transformational, things like family photos, tribute videos, um, access to the guest book, the service program, prayer cards. Uh, the reason that we built TributeCast the way that we did is because we knew that even the remote attendees need access to that information, probably, probably even more so than uh, those attending in person because they, they need something to grab onto as they're, as they're sitting at home. Uh, but you also need to think about where those remote attendees might be. Um, you know, for example, with, with Hindu services, you know, we frequently see uh, attendees uh, scattered throughout India and in Far East Asia. Um, there are a number of lower cost streaming providers out there, kind of roll your own streaming providers that uh, are blocked in India for example. So that's, that's a real challenge. Um, but, uh, you know, I think helping funeral directors think about kind of life from the perspective of the congregation. And I say that in air quotes, because the congregation now is no longer just the people sitting in front of you, just like the decision maker is no longer uh, necessarily the person physically sitting in front of you. So your market is, uh, your market's global now as a, as a small-town funeral director. Absolutely. The market just grew, and I know any wise funeral director out there will cater their services to the demographic that they serve. I know you briefly mentioned that most families don't experience death very often. I think I looked it up. It's around thir every 13 years or so that the average family encounters a death, at least in their own family. People go to funerals, but as far as actually having to be arranging one and getting involved in one, I think the number last time I checked was around 13 years. Of course, some families bury loved ones more often, and some tend to have, I guess, better health in their blood and their bones and uh, tend to live a little longer. But having sat on both sides of the arrangement table myself, I know that families tend to maybe gravitate is the word I'm looking for, towards things that they've seen before, whether or not they make sense. Uh, they're going to choose what they did for dad when they're burying mom, or they're going to do something that they saw at a prior service that they were visiting that they liked, uh, whether it be the casket or maybe the flowers that they said, when I go, I want that floral arrangement. Have you found that families tend to choose TribuCast because they saw it at a prior service? Or is this because the families used it before that they tend to use it again? Absolutely. We're seeing funeral. We're seeing, um, just like people used to go always back to the same funeral home, um, we're now seeing people say, look, we attended a tribute cast. Um, please help us find a home that uses tribute cast because we've now had another death in the family in a different locale. And... Uh, we want to make sure that we uh, give our family that same experience. So it's it's really kind of fascinating. Yeah. And you know it's 
it's interesting. We we just started uh, uh, an advertising campaign here uh, a few weeks ago that that reaches out to uh, loved ones right after they've they've lost somebody, and uh, you know we don't tell them to contact us. We tell them to contact the funeral director and look for help. Let them know that there is this resource out there. And uh, just this past weekend, we got contacted by uh, the brother of uh, a recent widow uh, who'd been tasked to uh, make remote attendance happen for a funeral down in Florida. And so he reached out to us. We reached out to the funeral director. He was a sole proprietor and uh, didn't provide uh, any sort of live streaming and didn't feel that he had the... Uh, the, the resources to do so. Um, so we talked about how easy it was and he, he was just, he was swamped. He didn't, uh, he didn't have time to, uh, to, to put anything else on his plate at the moment. So what we did is we, we asked um, if he would be comfortable if uh, we helped him find another funeral director in his vicinity who'd be willing to come over and assist him. And he said, yes. And we had, a, we had another client that was uh, about six and a half miles away. And that funeral home came over and and assisted. And it was interesting, you know, we get we get funeral directors telling us all the time that it's way too expensive. People expect it for free, and and there's even some research out there that says families expect it for for free. And we just don't see that. Um, in this case, when the family reached out to us, um, we said, look, because this funeral home doesn't normally do it, it's it is going to cost more than uh, it would normally. Um, it could be as much as $500. And the family member said, look, we have loved ones all over the country. Um, that's less than the cost of one airplane ticket for one individual. Um, we see that as a bargain. And we see that kind of conversation happening all the time. Um, and so we think that there's a possibility that uh, tribute casting, live streaming uh, will become a a trade tool resource that uh, some funeral homes do decide to pool, similar to the way that they pool uh, retrievals, uh, <laughs> cremation, and uh, and embalming at times. You know, so, and, and we are seeing that. As you know, I was traveling this past weekend, and I'm just sitting here thinking about the sheer cost of, if you add up, all of the family members and friends and, you know, again, I'm sure that you wouldn't mind picking up your close relatives or close friends from the airport. But I'm just thinking, you know, the sheer amount of people that may be close enough uh, to want to come to your funeral but may not be close enough to you to drop that much money on travel and Ubers and lodging and all of that and you know, I'm sure the financial burden of having to, I mean, funerals are not exactly planned out all that far. Maybe some of them are, but, you know, we're not really planning out far in advance as to when somebody is going to die for the average, uh, situ in the average situation. So to come up with that much money for travel expenses, I could imagine would cut the amount of attendees drastically versus the amount that obviously can use something like Trebucast to to join in for that service. But I would love to know the 
value if you were to take, you know, study and figure out what all of the people that would have come, and I'm sure that there's people that we wouldn't really know. We don't know the people that would have or wouldn't have come. I'm guessing surveys could have could help with that, but I'm sure the data would be at some degree inaccurate to know the sheer value of the airfare and the Uber and the lodging and the extra, you know, extra expenses that, that come with that, that were, that were saved in the technological era that we live in, a lot of programs and technology has certainly made video conferencing and webcasting fairly easy. And I have seen a lot of colleagues gravitate towards what could be considered perceived as free programs. Now, what is the good, the bad, and the ugly of utilizing these self-producing so-called free programs, or again, what could be perceived as free, nothing's free in this world, programs compared to utilizing a professional program that is designed specifically for webcasting? or, you know, remotely attending, rather, funerals. You know, you're, you're right. There, there are a lot out there, whether it's Zoom, Facebook, YouTube, Vimeo, BoxCast. Um, they're all what we consider uh, roll-your-own programs. Uh, the perception is that they're, they're free, uh, but the reality is they're not. And, and each of them has some pretty significant uh, negative aspects relative to the funeral environment. Um, and in many of their environments, you know, if you think of Facebook and, and YouTube, uh, the funeral director does not control the page that uh, the service is being broadcast on. And the funeral director is essentially giving away the content uh, of their funeral to these platforms and the user data of their remote attendees so that these platforms can do what they want with them. Uh, and, you know, if you're watching a, uh, you know, sadly a, a, a funeral with, with somebody that's passed away in a car accident, you definitely don't want uh, automobile advertising showing up on the page. Or in the case of YouTube, uh, pushing up other videos that, that may be of other accidents. It can be you know, incredibly inappropriate for a funeral environment. Um, additionally, uh, some of these services may not be available for remote attendees in all geographies. You know, you, we talked earlier about, uh, you know, which parts of society uh, are, are gravitating more quickly to uh, remote attendance. And I can tell you that uh, literally on a daily basis, you know, we may do as many as 60 funerals in a day. Uh, we have loved ones attending services from every corner of the world. And as long as there's sufficient internet access uh, with TribuCast, they can attend remotely. Uh, we, have a, we have a client that, uh, that to, to save money uh, was using BoxCast and you know, found out that BoxCast can't be viewed in India. Well, that's, that's kind of a big problem for, uh, for a Hindu service. And, you know, funeral directors that want to provide the, the highest le level of customer service and support need to not only think about that, but they also need to think about the service and support that they're uh, providing to their, their own staff. Uh, because, 
live streaming service can be uh, stressful if um, you don't have sufficient internet, if um, time is short because you've been given a very small window to get set up in a national cemetery or even in a church. Uh, we did a funeral the other day where uh, it, was a, it was a Catholic church. They had a morning mass. The funeral home literally had five minutes to set up after the morning mass uh, before uh, the funeral happened. And, you know, having our staff available to the funeral home staff well before the service uh, and all the way throughout the service and after it is, is a huge stress reliever. But then we can also think about the remote attendees who, uh, you know, may be uh, very anxious if that service uh, hasn't started on time or if they're having problems with their speakers on their computer uh, or, you know, they just don't know how to use their own computer. And in a TribuCast environment, uh, there's a 1-800 number right at the bottom of every TribuCast page where loved ones can call us for uh, additional information and support. So they're not bombarding the funeral home uh, with questions uh, when a lot of the funeral home staff uh, may be off at a church or cemetery or, or in their chapel. Uh, you know, we, uh, we playfully say that Mark Zuckerberg does not have customer service and support uh, for funeral directors or for family members. And in such an uh, emotionally charged environment as a funeral, we, we believe that that level of customer service and support is critical. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, the clientele we're dealing with is not exactly in a uh, state of mind for problems. No, uh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Now, I know you've demonstrated for me in the past uh, this program, and it really was easy to use. So I set up and everything you did was just so simple. How, how, uh, what is it involved for a funeral home that just wants to start broadcasting? Um, it's relatively simple and we built the system that way. Um, if you don't own any equipment, um, our, we're going to recommend that you TribuCast using an iPhone or an iPad uh, because most people already understand how to use that device and there's a free piece of software uh, that you can download from the Apple App Store uh, in order to use it. Registration on the TribuCast.com uh, website is also free as well. Uh, we're a pay-per-use system, meaning we don't charge you a nickel to get set up and we don't charge you a monthly fee. You only get charged uh, when you need to use us. Uh, so it's a matter of downloading the free app and registering at TribuCast.com and, uh, and getting ready to go. Um, once you register on TribuCast.com, if you have a service, you enter the name of the deceased, the date and time of the service, and you check out with uh, a credit card using a secure PayPal uh, credit card processing account. That'll then give you two unique pieces of information. It'll give you a distribution link that you'll give to the family, which is literally a, a private URL just for that family. And uh, they can share that any way that they want. They can put it in the newspaper. They can uh, uh, keep it private and, and only give it to a couple of people. Uh, they can put it in the obituary on a website. Uh, we work with, with all the major uh, website providers, so uh, those links can be embedded in buttons and in websites so that all they have to do is you know click here for for remote attendance um, and then you put uh, you also get a stream security code which is a code that goes in the software on the iPhone or the iPad 
uh, that then links the camera in that iPhone or iPad uh, back to that private page. Now, if you're an Android user, uh, we have software called Lyrics Broadcaster that, uh, that works for Android clients. And if you have an existing uh, fixed camera system, and we have a number of people that have, uh, that, that have moved over from Funeral View, One Room, um, you know, we can use that equipment as well. We have the funeral home download a free piece of software called OBS Studio, and uh, then they put the stream security code in there, and we we show people how to do that uh, that conversion and that setup free free of charge. That's nice. Now, if now if I have a family that wants to see both the you know see all the every the whole service, the calling hours, they want the funeral, they want the cemetery. Is that something that can be done? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, being a pay-per-use system, we only charge for the portions of the funeral that uh, the family wants to pay for. You know, every family obviously is different. Some want calling hours to be uh, very private. Uh, some want calling hours to be very public. Uh, the, the the chapel or funeral services are often uh, very public events, but then the uh, the graveside service uh, again may be. May be very private so you have a separate distribution link for each of those three segments uh, there is an individual individual charge for each segment but that enables the family to keep those segments separate if if they so choose and you know the, we we did you know our research we know that the average service lasts about an hour uh, of course there are exceptions to that and uh, we charge based on the assumption that uh, you know, it is an average service of about an hour, although we provide uh, a one-hour grace period on top of that. And uh, we never actually will shut somebody down if they go beyond that. But uh, you know, we will we will have a conversation with them if uh, if every service they do is is significantly longer than that. Uh, and you know, we assume it's up to about a hundred remote attendees as well. We know the average because we've done so many of these. The average number of remote attendees is between 40 and 60 people. Uh, but we've done services uh, in excess of four or 5,000 people as well. Uh, one in particular, you know, we, and we get this question as well, how quickly can we set up a service if, uh, if one uh, comes along with, with very little uh, advance warning? There was a, uh, a rabbi in Canada who was in New York City for uh, medical treatments and passed away early on a Sunday morning and the funeral home and family uh, wanted to tribute cast that service. Uh, we did so that, that very same day and uh, the rabbi's uh, body was, was on uh, the evening flight to Israel for, uh, for uh, burial in Israel. And we had, uh, I think, just shy of 5,000 people that attended that service remotely. Um, you know, so the power of that is, is, is pretty remarkable. And then we've had other services where there's only been one remote attendee and, and that's what they wanted. Um, it's, that's, yeah, that's, an, that's incredible, especially if you're getting that many, you know, that many people are benefiting and are able to attend. It shows a shift in maybe our traditional mindset, uh, for a funeral, you know, everyone's able to. Yeah, it's. It's, it's an incredibly rewarding 
And it's, you could say in some respects, only a funeral director would understand this statement, but the death care industry and working within the death care industry is uh, incredibly rewarding and you feel honored to be a part of it and be able to help people through their, their darkest times. You know, when we were, you know, we've kind of touched a little bit on COVID, you know, during this conversation, uh, as you might imagine, we were working almost 24 seven uh, throughout COVID helping funeral homes, you know, stay in business because the only way they could hold a service is, is through remote attendance. And, and we did, I can't tell you how many services where there were only three bodies at the service. Um, we did graveside services where we had the funeral director, we had uh, a celebrant and we had the deceased and then everybody else attended remotely. Uh, we did church services the same way where we have a priest and uh, the funeral director and and the deceased in a in a church that's capable of holding 1500 people um, and and to be able to help people come together is unbelievable and i i can remember one service that we did uh, for a, a funeral home in queens new york where there were only two people in attendance it was the deceased um, and the son of the deceased standing over his father's casket with a tribute video running on the wall above him. And the most remarkable thing happened during that service. People started, while they were watching our tribute cast, they were texting the son, uh, you know, providing well wishes. And he was reading the texts out loud and effectively conversing back and forth with this entire community. Um, as he was standing over his dad and at the end of the service, uh, he pulled out, uh, two small, uh, whiskey glasses and said, dad, this is, this is my, my last, uh, glass with you. And uh, I want you to know how much you've meant, meant to me in my life and how much I appreciate it. It was probably one of the most, uh, emotional and touching services I've ever seen in my life. And there were only two people there. Um, and, and today I still well up thinking about it. It's just so powerful. Uh, then it, that's it. Yeah. Um, then we had another service. It was graveside and uh, military honors. And the funeral director that, uh, that handled that really understood the power of remote attendance. Um, it was kind of a foggy day. And he had the bagpiper standing on a, on a, uh, a foggy knoll, uh, playing Amazing Grace, and you know, had the, the military uh, honor guard standing off to the side in, uh, in grass covered in dew, and it, and it just gave you chills. It was such a, a, a beautiful scene. You know, some of the things that we've seen have just been, been so remarkable and such, such wonderful ways to, uh, to not only say goodbye, but you know, remember those good times and you know, honor the, the, the love that you have for that individual, you know, as, as you move on, uh, in the next chapter of your own, own life is that individual's, uh, is the deceased chapter in book ultimately comes to a close. No, that's, a, that's absolutely incredible. And I mean, just, 
I think the over everything you're able to provide, you know, as you said, this ability for people to attend, the ability for that interaction, like that ability to text back and forth live like that. It's not a recording. It's, you know, this is a live attendance. But, you know, I know I've seen your program and having the actually being able to see the funeral program, the agenda, everything that's going on on your screen and, you know, a link for the memorial video and the obituary and all of that, I think just you just can't do that with Facebook. You just can't do that with, you know, these other programs. They're just not, that's not what they're meant for. No. And, and the things that are happening on the screen, uh, unrelated to the funeral that are, that are flashing up to effectively drive revenue for Facebook or, or YouTube or, or whomever else. Um, it's, it's truly distracting and, and disturbing to loved ones. Uh, but that's how those quote free platforms uh, are able to make themselves free uh, mm-hmm. by by driving driving that, and you know it's it, it's no surprise that uh, you know when you when you go look at something on Facebook that all of a sudden you know over the course of the next few days, weeks, and months you you're served of advertisements relative to what you went and looked at. Uh, we just we don't believe that that's appropriate for our, for a funeral environment. No, absolutely, especially if you've been looking up newspaper articles about your son dying in a car crash as you like implied or having you know you're obviously looking up stuff related to what's going on in your life or even if you know you have you know i think technology can listen to you nowadays so you know it knows what's going on in our lives you know to have those ads are going to be geared towards unfortunately the car crash or the you know the death because that's just what our computers are are geared to give us advertisements for so that yeah that's definitely not a uh, a time to have that um absolutely now our if our listeners are interested in using TributeCast, how can they get in touch with your company and get started with this great program yeah it's a, a great question uh, the easiest thing to do is go to our website that's tributecast.com that's t-r-i-b-u C-A-S-T, Tribucast. Or you can always call us on our 800 number, which is 1-800-782-0104. 1-800-782-0104. And you know, it's, it's funny because we, as we train funeral directors, and, and they can be trained in a matter of minutes, uh, we give them a lot of information, but we said, look, there's not a lot you have to remember about using our system other than remember that 800 number because we want to talk to you. We like talking to you. Give us a call. We want you to remember, geez, how do I remember you telling me we could do overlays. I remember you telling me we can do these interactive touch points. Give us a call. We'll show you how to do it. We'll show you how to do it in a matter of minutes. Um, you know, setting up a trivia cast, um, takes about 10 minutes and, you know, we've seen enough funeral homes during our tests, um, which happened, you know, that hour before a service happens, uh, when you're vacuuming the, the funeral home, you're arranging the, the flowers and the chairs. Uh, it takes less time to set up a tribute cast than it does to, to vacuum your chapel. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty simple and easy to use. So everyone should be using it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think so. You know, we, uh, everyone. When we when we uh, go to set up our booths at, at conventions, we and we have T-shirts and uh, you know our logos on the front and sayings on the back. Uh, 
helping services happen and sooner. Uh, you know, that's the whole notion is that we know that if funeral homes use TribuCast and talk to family members about it in that very first arrangement conference, uh, we can help services happen and happen within that week to 10 day window when they can have the biggest impact. Uh, and biggest, you know, quite honestly, biggest benefit for everybody, biggest benefit for the family, biggest benefit for the, for the funeral home. Mm-hmm. I heard your presentation earlier this month at the NFDA convention in Baltimore was quite engaging. I unfortunately couldn't make it down to Baltimore this year, but I wish I was there. I know I got a copy of your slides and uh, quite impressive. We, of course, have a link on our mortuarymayhem.com website so that listeners can find TributeCast easily. Dan, I really it, appreciate it. It was a pleasure to have you on today. I'm glad you were able to join us. Yep, likewise, and uh, we'll, we'll talk soon. In honor of Veterans Day, TributeCast will be waiving its fees for any graveside service with military honors throughout the month of November. Contact TributeCast for details. Tune in next month. Melissa will be speaking to Joe Reardon, Vice President of Community Development and Advanced Planning for Cohane Funeral Homes in Quincy, Weymouth, and Hingham, Massachusetts. A proud alumnus of the New England Institute, he is passionate about breaking down social barriers and stigmas regarding death and the funerary processes. We'll be discussing the culture of cremation in the U.S. and how the modern funeral director can change it for the better. Have you been looking for certified funeral celebrant training? Join Cape Cod Community College on March 25th through the 27th in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. Hotel accommodations are available. Visit capecod.edu backslash funeral celebrant for details. If you're looking to help offset the cost of participation, visit mortuarymayhem.com and scroll down to the sponsorship link on the bottom. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mortuary Mayhem. For links to information discussed during this episode, please visit the website at www.mortuarymayhem.com. Do you have questions, comments, suggestions for topics, or want to be a guest on the show? Email us at podcast at mortuarymayhem.com. We should do this again sometime.